Welcome to The Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Well, yes. Welcome to The Sages Among Us. I am Mary Weaver, and my guest tonight is Dan Kennerson, co-owner and co-founder of Local Distillery and maker of South Fork Vodka. Hello, Dan. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, it was late 2019 or early 2020 when the coronavirus scare was distant. We watched as people in other countries like China and South Korea donned hazmat suits and sanitized their streets. Suddenly, the pandemic was in the United States. We were told to sanitize nearly everything and certainly our hands and to wear masks. This was way before vaccines were developed. So sanitation, distancing, and masks were our only known defenses, and really masks were running short. Purell flew off the shelves of every local store uh, that sold it, and we all wished we had owned stock in it. Almost overnight, a local product with a magnificent label appeared in pump bottles, South Fork Hand Sanitizer, Dan, I want to hear the whole story about your company and how you shifted or expanded manufacturing to include your vodka, but also the sanitizer. But first, let's start um, by getting to know you. So tell us what your upbringing was like. I know that you, you grew up in the area, but you were born somewhere else. Yeah, so I was uh, born in the Bay Area. Um and lived on the coast for a few years. And then when I was about 10 years old, we moved up to the uh, Grass Valley area. Um, and we've, I've been here ever since. My parents are still out on uh, 174. And it's just a really wonderful place to live. And in that time, um, I think the kind of the backstory of the whole distillery, surprisingly enough, uh, starts in a Department of Defense Research Laboratory that um, I <laughs> I guess I stumbled my way into. Um, I was seeing a girl in high school, and her mom ran a local accounting firm. And she, her her mom um, suggested to me that I I should be uh, trying to use my my mind for for science instead of uh, instead of construction. Okay, so uh, you went away to college. You you grew up. You graduated from high school here and in Grass Valley, and then uh, went on to college. And did you get a chemistry degree or something related? So uh, I graduated from Nevada Union, and I started working locally. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was first uh, striking out on my own, and. This this job at this research lab uh, kind of actually helped guide that. So I started working there initially as a uh, inventory controller, kind of doing some some administrative work. And I was going to school, but I didn't really know what for. And in working for the laboratory, um, found that I had a real knack for and and love for physics. 
So I switched my I switched my uh, my focus of studies to physics and uh, mathematics as well. And I didn't actually finish my degree, but uh, I learned so much more in in the research we were doing here that I never really felt like that was too much of a concern for me. So what was the name of the research uh, company? Is it still in existence? It is not still in existence. Um, It was initially called Impulse Devices, and after a while there was... Um, we actually, we had a department of defense research contract. And when the contract ended, one of the investors continued some of the research, uh, or funding for some of the research and, uh, it switched names at that time to burst laboratories. Uh huh. Okay. So at some point, uh, you transitioned into other, uh, well, how, how did you come up with the South Fork logic? I guess we have to jump to that, uh. (laughs) <laughs> sure. So, uh, in in working for the research facility, um, the initial program was targeting uh, essentially a, a research level. That is to say, a, a very low level of nuclear fusion, and that's what the Department of Defense research was about. But obviously, that didn't work, or I wouldn't be making vodka. Um, but. <laughs> When we when we finished that contract, we had met all our, our deliverables with the government, and we had so much cool technology and such a wealth of of information and of people in in the research laboratory that the one of the key investors decided, hey, let's let's see if we can create other applications for this technology. So we. Actually, so the funny story about how I actually met my business partner, John, uh, he had come home from college at San Diego State and was looking for something to occupy his time over the summer. And he started working for this cool little research lab, one and the same, of course. And we were just starting one of the one of the projects that um, there was a series of, of projects that we tried we were just starting this project where we were going to attempt to extract um, oil, hydrocarbons, from algae. And what that actually amounted to was uh, John and I being sent to Clear Lake with kayaks and nets and buckets and uh, and bringing it back to the laboratory for us to try and break the cell wall and pull oil out of. But that also didn't work. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we, we tried a few other things in this research like turning graphite into industrial diamonds. Um, the one that almost worked was we were using some of our machines to improve the digestive capability of uh, different microbes to create methane for power generation. Um, but the one that really worked was we were talking with a fuel producer who was generating ethanol uh, because of different factors that they had, they were creating pretty low-grade fuel ethanol. And that fuel ethanol um, had some components called fusel oils, which are created by the yeast. They're chemically quite similar to alcohol, but they're not alcohol. And they were looking to get rid of those. So condensing a few years of research into um, a sentence, we were able to create a machine that was able to selectively remove and destroy those compounds without affecting the underlying alcohol. And the 
the long-term use of that technology actually turned out to be distilled spirits because most fuel producers don't have that problem. Well, it sounds um, like it's both machinery and it's chemistry. It's like you're totally uh, innovating in, in so many different ways. It sounds really like a stimulating career. Um, yeah, it's you know it's been quite the interesting uh, quite the interesting path, and yeah, physics, chemistry, kind of all of that wrapped in one. So, at, when did you actually develop uh, South Fork vodka? So was that, that your, research was lab- that your first was that your first product, or, or uh, I guess as as your company as your distillery company. Yes, yeah. Self Fork is our first and still our main product. Um, so the research laboratory was moving along, trying to solve some really tremendous problems, and ultimately the, su- the successes it saw weren't large enough to keep it afloat. And so it shut down for a while, and there was some discussion of it coming back, but that never happened. And in the fall of 2018... I was approached by the the former CEO of the laboratory, and um, he initially wanted me to sell some of the equipment and office supplies that we had on consignment. Um, and I I knew how much cool stuff was in the space, and how how few of people would know what everything was there. And so I actually just talked to the the guy that I had been working with there, John, and said, "Hey, you know, they offered to." Uh, they offered to put all this stuff up for sale. I kind of want to make them an offer and buy everything, and he jumped in with me. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> and then uh, it took you a while to develop the South Fork Vodka with all of the things that you bought? Yeah. Um, so all of the... all of the research capacity that we had, all of the technology that we had, we essentially took the equipment that we had on site and some of the knowledge about it. And we refined a lot of the technology and kind of modified it. And we knew from some past experience that it could make alcohol taste significantly better. And we thought that we could take that to the kind of the ultimate end goal, which was, you know, the, the perfect distilled spirit, I guess. So we played around with the machines for a while and we filed for our paperwork and got our licenses with all of the different agencies required. And um, I'm actually, I'm a year off though. It was 2017 that we bought everything because it was the fall of 2018 that we launched our vodka. And um, in that time, our, our tech has proven itself super valuable as we've become the highest rated vodka made in California. And I love your label, too, by the way. And can you tell us about who designed that artwork? And, um, yeah, it's just gorgeous, the colors, yeah. the, the detail. Yeah. We, were, we were discussing in the, the summer of 2018, uh, we were discussing what we wanted from our label. And we wanted to kind of represent our, our home to us, which is Grass Valley, Nevada City. And we kind of had the discussion of, um, you know, what do you consider like the most Grass Valley, Nevada City thing? And the answer we kept coming back to was 
spending a nice warm summer day down by the down by the river. And John did a, a quick little kind of draft of the idea of a water drop and you know a, a river and mountains within it. And then his wife Katrina um, really ran with that and came back with this beautiful, fully fleshed out design. And then we just kind of put all of the uh, the name and the details surrounding that that beautiful drop logo. It is gorgeous, and of course, it's on the. Um, I think it's the same on the hand sanitizer, isn't it? That's that's also on the bottle of the vodka, of your vodka. Yeah. Are yeah, they we the same? Yeah, we we thought we'd uh, use the hand sanitizer to kind of help also promote awareness of our um, of our product here locally. So, yeah. So I'm Mary Weaver, and you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. My guest today is Dan Kennerson. He is co-owner of South Fork Distillers. Or is it Distillery? Distillers? So the actual business name is Satellite Spirits. Uh, South Fork Vodka is our first trade name. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so let's, I, I'm dying to hear the story about the hand sanitizer and how you moved from producing vodka for a couple of years before you, you jumped into the hand sanitizer. In fact, your business was probably just kind of, um, you know, really picking up, picking up steam and all of a sudden, um, you know, we had the pandemic and did, did, uh, Distribution was that a, a bad thing for you? Um, was it a hard, a hard uh, obstacle for you? I should say, as it was for many other uh, companies uh, um, during the our, pandemic. Our distribution didn't really change during the pandemic. Um, essentially, how we got into hand sanitizer was we were uh, in full swing of production. We were building up extra inventory of our vodka, trying to. Uh, attract a larger distributor. And we started seeing some strange news reports coming out of China, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners did as well. And um, it was it was fairly scary at first, especially. And in March of 2020, we we all learned that the the virus was actually already here and that we all needed to, you know, lock down and uh, take all these precautions and um, you know, help slow the spread so that we didn't dramatically overwhelm our hospitals while we, you know, learned everything. And one of the things that happened was we had a friend working at Sierra Nevada Hospital, and they were kind of complaining to us, saying, you know, the the pandemic has uh, wiped out all the stores of hand sanitizer. I heard one of the tech companies bought up a tremendous amount of hand sanitizer for their employees and. So they were having to do a full hand wash, which is a fairly long procedure, and it's also very rough on their hands um, for a, a few weeks at that time. And we looked it up, and we found out that the FDA had given us, as a distillery, emergency approval to make um, one very specific recipe of hand sanitizer, which is the World Health Organization's recipe. And the only thing we were allowed to put in it, no matter what, was ethanol, water, glycerin, hydrogen peroxide, and a bitterant. Um, 
just so people wouldn't drink it. Although I heard a few people did, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but they, they said, you know, you don't use any gelling agents, don't use anything else. Uh, no sense, no anything, just you can put this product out and this product only. And we jumped on board as soon as we found out we could. We shut off all of our vodka production. Thankfully, we had a decent stock of vodka made up during that time. And we went directly into producing hand sanitizer. And um, we gave the first few hundred gallons, I believe, directly to the hospital and then as soon as the hospital posted um, essentially a, a thank you message to us, we were just inundated with requests. Hey, I, I work for the uh, local police department. Hey, I work for a uh, senior care facility. And this was a much bigger problem than we really even knew about. So we kicked it into high gear and uh, all told we made – I believe close to 11,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, most of which was actually given away to medical facilities, first responders, um, just whoever really truly needed it. So is um, it, you say the World Health Organization had the recipe for it. So would you say your hand sanitizer is the same as some other companies, or are they slightly different? Do they smell a little different? I love the smell of yours, by the way. Um, So our hand hand sanitizer is going to be essentially the same as every other distilleries that was put out. Normally, that recipe was used for um, health workers, uh, folks like Doctors Without Borders, who would go overseas, and they couldn't really get hand sanitizer locally. So the World Health Organization put out that as a way of saying, here's a way to make something that is certainly... Uh, safe and will sanitize your hands properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but to answer your more specific question, it's not what you would generally find in you know a, a store bought hand sanitizer. It's it's kind of unique in its um, its less viscous nature, and definitely the the bitterant gave it a an interesting smell as we were partway through our production. So yeah, and I think it's probably collectible at this point with the gorgeous bottle and everything. <laughs> yeah, we actually, so the the funny part about it is we, I had my, my wife uh, helping to source bottles and, you know, I think most of the customers ended up seeing spray top bottles and pump top bottles and a lot of those, but the first production that we actually did was in bottles that were meant to be our vodka bottles but we couldn't find anything else. Every time we found a set of uh, plastic pump top or spray top bottles for sale, by the time we, you know, called the distributor or called the supplier and said we want those, here's our credit card number, it was already sold. So that was kind of the supply chain issues we ran into, and uh, eventually that that all calmed down, and we were able to get decent looking products. But um, a, a local um, a local customer actually specifically requested that we send the the original bottles that we did, the glass distillery-style bottles, um, and requested we send it to the um, Museum of American History at the Smithsonian. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So hopefully oh. someday those will be on display. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, you're going to be talking about this for the rest of your life, you know, how how – 
things changed and we all adapted to a pandemic and we survived it. Um, yeah. It's quite amazing, really. And we're still in it. Uh, I think we're still a little, little shocked, but um, maybe coming out of it, which is nice. Um, so tell us about your business, South Fork, um, your vodka. And um, you, you've uh, told us a little bit about it already, that it's doing quite well. And are you um, expanding into other states? Do you distribute mostly in California? Yeah. So right now, uh, South Fork is, well, actually, we have two uh, main products, although our second product doesn't get used too much. So our, our South Fork vodka, um, in the first about two years of production, became the highest rated vodka in California. In the first three years of production, it became the most award-winning vodka in California. It's six times distilled, made from non-GMO corn, gluten-free. We use mountain spring water, and then we use the technology that we uh, further developed from our previous research work, and uh, that's our flagship line. We have a Everclear competitor that uh, mostly just is used for our um, odds and ends alcohol that isn't quite meeting our standard for South Fork, and that's called King Clear. That's a 60% alcohol product. And then we're actually getting ready to launch a set of uh, philanthropic uh, products and uh, a whole community-driven marketplace around that. So what can you tell me about it if you haven't launched yet? Um is it is it pretty secret or? Um... So there's only certain things I can say about it so far because we have to get the appropriate um, documentation done between us and the other parties. But the first product in this line that we're creating uh, is actually out in the stores right now, and that's called uh, Premium, which is uh, I didn't mispronounce that. Uh, it has meme in the middle because. Well, we kind of needed a break after all this and, and wanted to joke around a bit. So we're, we're putting memes on <laughs> most of these new products we do. And that is a very premium vodka. Um, from every bottle of that, $10 goes to the Truckee Tahoe Humane Society, who we've worked with a bunch. And a dollar goes to a local artist. And that local artist actually drew a, um, a non-fungible token, an NFT with artwork to help connect people to that humane society as well. And what this all leads to is a marketplace that we're creating. And essentially this couldn't have been done before because of some strange little rules that I won't go into, but um, with this new, with this new rules, set of rules that we're allowed to use, what we're going to be doing is we're generating an entire marketplace and we're working with the users of the marketplace to determine uh, what organizations we want to support. So I'm, like I said, I can't specify which ones are next on our list, but we are discussing with a few national nonprofit organizations um, how we can create products to support them on a a commercial level and not in the way that most brands do where it's done as a 
virtue signaling method to try and make you feel better about using their product, but really as a way of if I bought, you know, such and such bottle of vodka that I, I can't say, obviously, um, but if I buy this product, I am supporting this uh, significant nonprofit organization and I'm supporting them with most of the profits from that bottle, indeed. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So why the Truckee Tahoe Humane Society to be, to begin with as your one of your beneficiaries? So the reality of um, what are known as commercial co-ventures was more complicated than I think we were really ready. So whenever a, a for-profit organization works with a non-profit or not-for-profit organization, they have to agree to all of the terms up front and um, essentially, that requires a pretty significant amount of uh, bandwidth on the part both of the um, the business and of the nonprofit organization. So, we had worked with the Humane Society of Truckee Tahoe before. They're a wonderful organization. They do their absolute best. Uh, would have loved to work with Sammy's, but um, we weren't having good luck finding someone with the bandwidth to go through all of the details that we needed, and. Maybe we can work with them in the future. Um, but essentially it came down to we knew them before. Um, they knew us before as well, so they knew that we had good intentions. And they had the bandwidth to help us figure out a lot of these pieces ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when do you expect to um, make public your philanthropic endeavor? Well, we're expecting around the 1st of March we'll reveal the entire uh, marketplace and the products that are going to be launched with it. And the community that we create with that marketplace will be able to help determine what the next project is and what the next project will support. I think that's exciting, and especially for um, Grass Valley in Nevada City. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that have – that are going to – uh, conscience of environmental issues and and other other matters, and they'd really get behind you if they aren't already. Yeah, I think so, we have a pretty spectacular community support so far, and um, and we're we're proud of that, and we want to build that. Yeah, it sounds like you're going quite a ways beyond the local area. If you're you're going to national organizations yeah what we've mainly found is that the national organizations um, are more able to work with us in a lot of ways and uh, hopefully some of our very local organizations will prove me wrong on that Mm -hmm. well i think if you look back at your career i think your your work with government agencies has probably really helped you um develop your products and kind of get through a lot of red tape and um, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it it certainly prepared me for the, uh, at least the paperwork side of things and, um, and probably the, the bureaucratic side of things on the alcohol production side. And I suppose it'll be helping as we're moving forward with, uh, with working with nonprofits as well. So, Dan, did anybody inspire you in your life um, to contribute to the greater good? 
uh, your father, your mother? Was there somebody who really influenced you in your life? Um, my parents are both uh, philanthropic people. They like to operate on a individual uh, scale. So they'll. Um, my parents adopt. Well, not quite adopted, but. Um, housed and uh, took care of one of my cousins when I was growing up uh, to give him an option to go to our better schools around here. And then um, my uncle Steve, my mom's brother, is uh, a fantastic person and he really likes to give back and he uh, he likes to, to teach people everything he can and everything he knows. And I would say that those three people were the main ones. And then I probably wouldn't be here and um, I believe he's back east now, so you may not hear me, but definitely like to thank uh, Robert Hiller if he's listening because he's, uh, he's the reason I moved from administration into the laboratory. He uh, really dragged me in there. So <laughs> You have quite a story, Dan. Thank you for being with us, and we can't wait to hear what you do with your company and your philanthropic part of it cool. going forward. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 